Welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madame Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Siobhan Murphy, the founder of Babar, a communications and public relations firm specializing in founders and brands that are making a positive impact. With a wealth of experience in PR and strategic communications, Siobhan has worked in pivotal roles for Fortune 500 companies and startups across various industries. Most recently, she led consumer and entertainment communications at Twitter for over six years. At Babar, Siobhan focuses on helping founders and companies tell their stories, with clients including The Newsette, Amazon, Sephora, Rowley, and more. In this episode, we dive into Siobhan's career journey and hear her insights on going from the corporate world to starting her own PR firm. And we also talk about the strategy she employs to help founders and their brands shine in today's competitive landscape. Let's get into the show. I'd love to just get a little bit of background on where you're from and how you got into PR. So I'm from San Francisco. I was born and raised there. I actually remember the first time I like ever figured out or learned what PR was. And I was watching this show from like the early 2000s called The West Wing, which I don't know if you remember, but there was this character who was the White House press secretary. And I thought she was so cool and so smart. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, I need to like check out this job, this career and see if I can do it myself. So fast forward and in college, I went to school for communications. There actually wasn't a PR major at the time. I'm sure there is now. So I studied journalism. I think like knowing how journalists think and how to write and all of the skills that kind of come with that have been really useful, of course, because I work with journalists every day. And so because there wasn't really a PR major, I also tried to do like as many internships as I could when I was in school. I interned at a magazine. I interned at like a tiny like policy PR firm. I interned at this like huge tech company that like I still to this day I'm not even sure how to like successfully explain what they do um which is funny and then like towards the end of college I interned at Apple's headquarters and that was the coolest job ever for me and that's when I like really fell in love with PR and I think the rest is history really that's awesome and so all that time were you still in San Francisco so I went to school um, at Santa Clara University which was like probably two hours from San Francisco. So still like the Bay Area, Silicon Mm -hmm. Valley. Yeah. Got it. And then when did you move to New York, which is where you're calling from and based now? Yes. I moved to New York right after college. So I've been here for like 10 years, which is crazy to say. So what really inspired you to start your own PR firm? I was raised by very entrepreneurial parents. Both my parents kind of own their own businesses and still do today. And so I think that definitely informed some of the choice. I always had that in the back of my mind, but I really wanted to wait until I was a pla- in a place where I felt like I had enough experience under my belt to actually do a good job. And also wait, wanted to wait until I felt like I had like a cool original idea that felt like was something that was worth pursuing. And so I think that's when I was you know, ready to start Babar when I kind of had both of those things. And what were some of the key takeaways from your experience in the corporate world? I know you worked at Twitter for a long time. 
What were some of those takeaways that have been instrumental in launching your own firm and getting started at Babar? Yeah. I mean, I think we could do a whole podcast on (laughs) the things I learned at Twitter, Twitter. honestly, but I loved that job. Honestly, like I think I, I feel so grateful. I got to spend so much time working in PR at a company that was like so important for pop culture, especially in the years I was there. One kind of surprising thing that I always go back to when I think about my time there is how important the people you work with are. So much of our day, so much of our week, so much of our lives are dedicated to work. And so the people that you surround yourself with can really make or break your day-to-day experience. And I think that was something I was really lucky to you know, experience at, at Twitter was being surrounded by people I genuinely enjoyed being around and that I genuinely thought were really smart and that I could learn from. And so that was something that I think kept me there for so long, but also is something I will always remember and try to take with me, you know, now at starting my own company um, and even in choosing clients and who, you know, you surround yourself with every day is like such a game changer. The other thing I really took away from Twitter and like learned about myself was like how much I love being in a job that is so fast paced, you know, at Twitter, a lot of my job revolved around like what is happening that day in the world. The next day it could be like working with Rihanna's team because she's launching a new album. I wish she would do that by the way. (laughs) Um, The next day could be like presidential campaign. What's going on with that? The next day could be like some kid went viral on Twitter for like an amazing cause and we're getting them on the today show. Like I think that ever-changing, every day is different environment is like really fun and really addictive and keeps your job so interesting. And so I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why I was excited about starting my own company where I can work with like all sorts of clients across Mm -hmm. different industries, because then you're really getting to like use your brain in different ways every day. Yeah, it is such a fast-paced industry, like you were saying, in and of itself, but let alone in a social media sphere where it's like double, like everything by the hour is changing on Twitter. So I can see how you would really have to be a quick learner and like work independently just to be able to thrive in that environment. Totally. And it's not for everyone, right? Like Mm -hmm. not everyone's brains enjoy that. That is absolutely a good thing. I think I always say this, but like PR people are definitely crazy. Like why (laughs) you would choose to be crazed all the time living in this like crazy state of like, what's going to happen next? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But for some people, they like it, including myself. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot of creativity and fun with like, okay, how do I get this story across in different ways as like the world around us is changing, which I'll definitely pick pick your brain on in in a little bit, but I think it's important to note that because you had a lot of internship experience beforehand, you knew that this was something that you were comfortable with, that you wanted to explore. What are some tips you would give to A, securing an internship and then B, also like succeeding in it, whether it's finding out what you like or what you don't like? Totally. I think that is such a good thing to bring up, especially for something like PR where there's only so much you can like learn in a classroom about PR. Like there are definitely skills you need to hone and learn like writing and reading and people skills, but like the bulk of what I've learned and what's made me into a good PR person, I learned like on the ground. I learned at internships. I learned like working under people who are so good at their job and I got to shadow. And so try everything. If you think maybe you're interested in film try to get a film internship. If you're really thinking maybe you're interested in PR, try it out. Like there's nothing wrong with trying internships in different industries. Like that's what your youth is for. And that's what being in school is for. And so I think, yes, like you said, figuring out 
okay, I did this internship. I wasn't really interested in, you know, what I was doing day to day, but I was really interested in this part of it. And then taking that to inform like what you study the next year, or what kind of internship you get the next year is like the best way to figure out not only what you're good at, but what you're interested in. For sure. Like you said, school is the best time to do that because although you can continue to explore after you graduate, it's just so much better to have a leg up of like, okay, I've already explored these different career paths. I know what I like. I know what works for me. And then you have that experience on your resume already, which I'm sure helped helped you secure some, totally. some great jobs after college. Totally. So let's talk more about getting your own firm up and running. What initial steps did you take to launch Babar? And is this, and is this something you've now taken on full-time? Yes. So I've been full-time since um, I left Twitter, which was in like February, 2022, I think. So maybe a year and a half. I don't even know like what steps I took, like, which I'm sure is not the most informed answer people want to hear. I think it's really just like a figure it out as you go was my approach. I think I was lucky because when I left Twitter, I knew there were like two clients that I was really excited about for sure that were ready to like work with me and sign with me. So I knew jumping out of that job, I'd be jumping into like doing something and just hitting the ground running, which I think inspired me to like, just figure it out and make all the other stuff work. Even if you just have one client to start doing a really good job on that client, then usually hopefully inspires them to refer you to other people. And so I think that's been really lucky for me is a lot of my new clients have just come from word of mouth, like people saying, oh, you need a publicist. Like we worked with this person. They helped us a lot. You just kind of like have to trust the process and focus on what you're doing right now and just do the best job that you can on that. I mean, that's been my strategy at least. Yeah. Just like one foot in front of the other kind of work. Totally. Focusing on the daily tasks versus like the, the large picture. Totally. And so what made you want to specialize your PR firm in supporting founders and how did you build relationships with your initial clients? I think the founders thing has been really interesting to me for some time because we live in a world today where we are so inundated with choice. There are so many products. There are so many brands. There are so many ingredients. There are so many, like it's just overload all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think people are starting to, or at least over the past, I'd say like five years have started to pay more attention to like, what are the brands that they put their money behind? Who started that brand? Why did they start it? What's their story? Like, did they leave their nine to five job because they were so passionate about making healthier food for kids? Or like, what is the kind of story behind the brands that you're choosing? I think the the younger generations, especially, and like the younger moms, especially have, have started to like pay attention to the things that they buy. And so for that reason, I feel like there's a bigger need for the founders behind, you know, a lot of these companies to kind of build up their presence and build up their personal brands and have a platform and kind of be out there talking about you know, and representing their brand in a way that feels true to them. And I think we've seen time and time again, that really work. A good example of this is like a Richard Branson, right? But then if you look at like the more recent years, it's like an Emily Weiss with Glossier. So I think really focusing on that has been really fun for me because I think that's something I've always loved. Like I personally love reading about founders of brands. And so helping founders, you know, kind of get out there has been really fun. Yeah. And we definitely align on that interest, obviously being on this podcast. Um, But I think it's so cool that you work with brands of different sizes. So whether it's like a solo founder with a really small team, all the way up to a large company, especially because when someone is just starting out their company, 
they don't really have the resources and the skills to like tell their own story in the best way or secure these press opportunities. So for them to be able to have someone like yourself open doors for them, I can see how that would how, how that would create like a huge return on their investment. Totally. Even the big companies, right? Like it doesn't have to be the founder of that company that you're putting out there. Like I remember at Twitter, something that we did is we got, we took one of the super smart, like young female engineers who was working on building like safety tools, like, like tools on Twitter to make your experience, especially your experience as a woman or a person of color safer. And so like having her, you know, out there talking to, you know, magazines or websites that, you know, women actually read about why she's physically building these tools to make Twitter safer. Like that kind of stuff is so much more interesting than us just sending press like info about this new safety tool. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it's also like giving helpful context to the things that are happening at the brand through like a real human's insight. Yeah. And I love that storytelling aspect of like digital media in general. So I think when, when brands have someone who knows how to nail it it's just it's just great for not just them but also on the consumer and like you said being able to access these stories that we wouldn't really know about otherwise totally and so what were some of the biggest challenges you faced getting your firm up and running and how did you overcome them oh my gosh the like bane of my existence is anything admin like <laughs> like quick books like invoices taxes like figuring out, okay, now I need to like have my own insurance. Like, how does that work? Like all that stuff on paper doesn't sound that hard or like really shouldn't be that hard, I, I think. But for me, I feel like my brain just like tackling those things, especially in the early days, I was like, this is so overwhelming. And, you know, I didn't have the resources at that point to hire someone. So I just had to figure it out myself. I think like if you, if I could have hired someone, I would have. Um, but I think we're lucky and there's like a ton of programs and like the beautiful World Wide web full of information now that like has a lot of, you know, resources that kind of help, you know, entrepreneurs and single person founders, like figure all this stuff out. But I, I genuinely think that like, that was harder for me than doing the actual work or like getting new clients or any of that stuff. It was like the behind the scenes admin that was yeah. killer. That <laughs> honestly checks out. I don't like admin either. And like, having even using TurboTax to me oh, is like right? frustrating so it's I like can't imagine like having the, the amount of anxiety that. and like the dread I feel for doing like simple tasks like that it's so funny I just don't I don't yeah well were there any like resources or tools in particular that that helped you like stay organized I wouldn't say like a specific tool like an online platform or something I mean I've definitely come to look to absolutely love QuickBooks but one thing that I had like the luxury of doing once I was working for myself that I had never had before was actually paying attention to setting up my schedule in a way that would allow me to be really effective and have better time management. Of course, when you're working at a company or you're working for someone else, your schedule is not really in your control. And that's just the way it goes. I've been able to kind of realize, oh, like I'm really effective. These four hours of the day is when I should try to be like heads down doing work. And then the other hours of the day, like I should use to take my dog on a walk or be on calls or do maybe more mindless admin work or whatever it is. And so I think that tool for me has been like a, a major game changer, like trying to structure my weeks, but also structure my days in a way where I know like I'll be really efficient. That makes sense. As like a solo entrepreneur, 
how did you figure out the right pricing for your clients and like feel confident in that despite being like a small firm? I was lucky in that I have a lot of friends who I think are also kind of entrepreneurs and living in New York. And so while maybe a lot of them don't do PR specifically, I was able to kind of like do my own little side research with people like, oh, how much are you paying your PR firm? Oh, how much do you charge um, for projects like this? And like just asking people. And I think especially if it's like someone who's in the same boat as you or a friend, they're more than happy to give you that feedback or advice and and help you in a way that kind of informs how you're going to price things yourself. That's really how I did it. And then it's a little bit of trial and error. Like I think in the beginning, it was really hard for me to tell people my price because I was like, okay, am I, is this too high? Is this too low? Like, it's just this like scary feeling of like sharing with someone. But I think once a couple people accept and then you do a good job, you're like, okay, this feels right. This feels like the right amount or the right cadence or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Figuring it out as you go. How do you approach storytelling for founders and secure relevant and unique press opportunities for them? It definitely takes time. I think the most important thing for me with my clients in the beginning is like really sitting down and getting quality time with them and learning as much as I can about them, right? Like it's not just about, oh, what's your career trajectory and why did you found the company? It's like, what are your personal interests? Like, where are you from? Like, what led you to this point? What do you do in your free time? Like all of that stuff, I think gives you this like well-rounded visual of this person. And that's really the person you want to be putting out there. Not just like a cookie cutter face of the brand. You want like the actual human. Um, And so I think that's like the first step. I think the second step is figuring out like, who is that brand really trying to target? Like, is this brand trying to target moms? Okay, then we need to figure out like, what is the angle that makes the most sense for people who write about parenting or who are moms themselves and like being helpful to that press so that the angle that we're pitching them is actually additive for them and helpful to them and not just self-serving. Do you have any examples of like memorable projects that you've worked on with clients that you're like particularly proud of? I feel bad like picking a favorite because I literally, (laughs) I love them all. I love everything. I think one more like generalized thing that is memorable to me that I, that I love, like my favorite thing about working with clients, I'd say is when you have like a founder or a more startupy brand and you finally land them like that bigger piece that gets them on the map. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that is the most exciting feeling. Like I'm thinking of a recent example where we got a founder of one of the startups we work with on stage at like a big fortune event and they killed it. And the momentum that like we saw after that, you know, speaking event was so exciting and like so rewarding. So it's like, it wasn't just that one thing we got them. It was like all these press emails coming in of people who want to talk to them. And like, when we pitch people, people actually saying yes. And like being like, yes, we want to bring them on this podcast or we want to interview them. And I think like, that momentum that you see once you kind of get over that first hump, which that first hump is sometimes really hard to get over and takes time is like the best feeling because you can see the client is excited. You're excited. It's just, you know, it's really yeah, exciting. that's awesome. 
And because your job like requires you to be so in tune with what's happening in the world, whether it's like relevant publications to your founder's niche or just like what's going on in the news or the world, how do you stay on top of and even ahead of trends in PR? I honestly think the best way to really do this is just reading. I'm like a very proud subscriber to way too many magazines and the New York Times and news. And I think it's like when I do have a Sunday where I have the time, just like actually reading the writing of the journalists you're pitching sounds really obvious, but like that's the best thing you can do, right? Understanding what people are covering and why they're covering it and the tone they're covering it in is the most productive thing I think you can do as a PR person. Outside of that, because, you know, the nature of PR has changed so much. I do think Twitter, like that's where all the journalists are hanging out. Like that's where the news hits first. So like, even if you're just on Twitter consuming, or at least up until recently, I don't know, these days (laughs) things are changing, but I think that's like a great place to learn because you'll see also journalists talking to each other and how they're talking about things. And maybe they give you some clues into trends they're into or things they're following. And it just kind of helps you become a better PR person, like being a fly on the wall and seeing all of that. And then honestly, I'm, I've become so addicted to TikTok. I hate to say it, which for better, for worse, like definitely keeps me up on all the trends, right? Like everything Mm -hmm. in fashion, everything in wellness, like even just like the lingo and the terms and the phrases and the amount of topics that I think you can cover in 30 minutes on TikTok is it can be really useful. Yeah. No, I like the combo of like quick short form content, but then you're also like reading all these articles, not just browsing the headlines, which I would imagine is really important to build meaningful connections with journalists to actually take the time to read their work and not just skim through or or read a couple headlines. If there's any founders who are looking to get media attention for their startups, but maybe aren't at a point where they can have a an agency or a PR position at their company, what advice would you give them? I think trying to meet journalists in real life is a great starting point for someone who can't afford a PR person or doesn't have a PR person yet. I think like putting yourself in positions where you're at events where maybe journalists are going to be, or you're on stage on a panel at an event where journalists may be. Depending on the journalist, I wouldn't always recommend this, but if you've been following a journalist, let's say journalist, let's say on Twitter for a while, and you see them continually covering the space that your product is in or your brand is in, like there's no shame in shooting them a DM and saying like, Hey, I don't know if you've heard of our company. Here's our one line elevator pitch. Like I would love to tell you more if it's interesting to you. Here's my email. There's no harm in doing that. The worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to ignore you. But sometimes they may come back a year later and say like, hey, sorry, I didn't see this. Actually, I am interested in this. So it's kind of like a shoot your shot thing. Mm-hmm. You really you really don't lose anything. So there's no harm in, in trying. Yeah, the you know what I mean? Like the worst case is they read your DM and ignore it. But like actually by reading that DM, now they've heard of your company. And would you <laughs> recommend cold emailing as well? Or do you think Twitter is the, the better place? No, I think I think cold emailing is fine. I think if you're a founder though, and you don't have a, a publicist, do some research into how to properly email a journalist. You don't want to, you know, you want to kind of email them in a way that is useful for them. It's respectful to them. 
that's the beauty of a publicist, right? It's like, we know how to communicate with journalists, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think just like doing some research before you just start emailing everyone on kind of the best practices there would be, would be smart. Yeah. Good to know. Are you currently a team of one? Yeah, I sure am. Okay. But I think either end of this year or like January, 2024, we're going to hire or I'm going to hire um, either an intern or like an associate because I definitely need it. So I'm yeah. really excited about that. <laughs> if someone looked at all the press opportunities you secured, I would, I wouldn't guess that it was just you. So that's, that's awesome though, that you're, thank you. That's so nice. Yeah. It's awesome that you're looking to expand in the future though. Yes. Very excited about that. Like cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about when there is criticism or negative press, how do you approach crisis management for your clients if that situation ever arises? Yeah, you know, one of the things I always say is a really good sign of a good publicist is not always how many stories they're landing. And that's what you see, right? Like that's what you see on socials and that's what you see online, but actually how many stories they're killing. I think a lot of publicists do a lot of work behind the scenes on the phone with journalists to convince them not to write a story or to make them double check their resources or their data or their information before they write a story. And I think like that behind the scenes work is a lot of the work that I think people don't recognize PR people doing. And I think is the most important part of our jobs a lot of the time. On the crisis front, I think it really depends on the client, the situation, the press, my most generalized advice, but like taking this with a grain of salt because it totally depends. Luckily, our news cycles today move so fast that if you're swept up in a negative press cycle, most of the time, the best course of action, I think, is to not react. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that doesn't imply to like, you do something majorly wrong, you owe someone an apology, someone got hurt, like all of those instances, it's a totally different thing. But I think people get very quick to like, tweet a response or like reply to a journalist who's like trying to get you to give like a juicy comment. And then that just adds another 20 hours to the press cycle rather than just letting it kind of fade on its own. And this goes to everything, right? Like get, if something comes your way that makes you feel like you need to give a response right away, sit on it, don't react, think it over, call your publicist, mm -hmm. whatever you need to do, because that reactive behavior is like what gets you in more trouble. Yeah. And I think that's such a huge value add of a PR professional because that not reacting is so hard to do sometimes for people or for a company. Totally, It's always interested me, especially in pop culture specifically, like for example, the, the whole Drew Barrymore show. I was thinking like, I would love to be a fly on the wall of that like publicist conversation. Right. It's just crazy how, how people sometimes handle situations. Yeah. And even, you know, there's even some cases where people have a publicist, but they don't listen to them. So hopefully you have a good relationship with your publicist and you trust them and you actually listen to their advice because most of the time, like, you know, the job of a publicist is to take a step back and like see the full picture and like as much as you can predict the future and provide the best advice that you can. And so, yeah, yeah I feel like you can see the instances where either, okay, that was really bad PR or like, oh, that person just completely did not take the advice of their publicist and decided to, mm -hmm. you know, clap back or whatever <laughs> yeah. on whatever social media platform or to whatever journalists. Yeah. So it seems like 
staying calm, seeing the bigger picture are two key aspects of, of being a good PR professional. What other key qualities do you think it takes to be successful in your industry? I think media relationships are still the most important resource really that you can have making sure that you are maintaining those relationships. I think like even just in what we were just talking about, like in a crisis situation, right? Get on the phone with the journalist and figure out exactly what they know. What is the story they're trying to write? Collect all the information. They're a human. Talk to them on the phone. I think people get very caught up these days in just using email. And of course, there's instances where it makes more sense to email, of course. But sometimes you can solve a lot of problems by just getting on the phone for two minutes. And so I think that's something to like always, you know, I try to always remember. I mentioned earlier that your firm works with both Fortune 500 companies and smaller startups. How do your strategies differ for these two types of clients? One really important thing I try to understand early on is like, what is the audience they're trying to reach? So sometimes a Fortune 500 company will bring me on to help them reach an audience they haven't reached before. So then that strategy strategy is going to look totally different, right? Than probably some of the strategies they've had in the past. So let's say a huge company is trying to reach moms, you know, ahead of the holidays. That's something we worked on last year. How do we figure out how to position that brand in a way that's interesting for both moms, but also the journalists who cover that. And so that could mean, okay, we're going to throw like a cool press event and invite influential moms and you know, press who cover moms and have things, you know, happening at that event that are interesting to them, make them think about this brand in a totally new way. It's going back to like, how are we actually being helpful to these journalists and these publications rather than just like pushing our pitch or pushing our news Mm -hmm. on them. With managing multiple clients, I'm curious how you keep each company's strategy and projects organized and like how you structure that workflow. That's a good question. I don't even know what the right answer is. I think it's just all about being like internally organized, right? Like Mm. having really clear docs. I do like a lot of like color coding and email coding and like that kind of stuff. I also think it goes back to that like time management thing, right? Like scheduling my days so that I have five hours to have calls with this client and then do work around this client so that my brain is like really in the mix being creatively thinking about this client Mm -hmm. rather than like trying to switch gears a hundred times a day, which sometimes you do have to switch gears a hundred times a day. And that's just the nature of it. But I think as much as you can control that, that can really help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because you work in a very fast paced industry and you also live in a very fast paced city. I'm curious how you prioritize your own like mental health and self-care as a solo entrepreneur. Very important question. One thing that really helps me is meditation, which I've been trying to be really consistent about, like doing even just like 15 minutes every morning. So when I do do that, I notice such a difference. I try to like get outside in the first half of the day, whether it's like taking my dog for a walk, getting a coffee, even doing a call outside like that, I think really helps like vitamin D goes such a long way. But I think one really lucky thing about New York is that the energy for me at least is so contagious. Going on a walk outside, you genuinely feel inspired because there's this high energy and so many people around you are like hustling and building their own, you know, companies themselves. Like just being surrounded by that, I think is inspiring in itself. Yeah, there's definitely a very unique energy in New York for sure. Can you share any exciting plans or projects on the horizon for Babar? 
Oh my gosh. So our October is absolutely crazy. Nothing that can like give the exact details around, but we're doing something pretty exciting on World Mental Health Day. And then I'll probably be posting a lot of really fun things on my Instagram. So maybe that's a better way to keep in touch. But yeah, I think October is going to be a really exciting month for a lot of my clients. So that's awesome. Yeah. Also, October in New York sounds like a very just fun (sighs) time to to be alive. (laughs) Totally cozy. Everyone's got their sweaters pulled out. The vibes are changing for sure. (laughs) Yeah. The leaves are changing. That's not something we have here in Texas, unfortunately. (laughs) I know, but you have sunshine, which that's true. You know, it's a good trade off. Well, Siobhan, I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs? I remember someone told me once, like, try to never say no to like a work coffee. So if an intern, you know, someone who's, you know, maybe younger than you asks you to go with them to a coffee or go to lunch, like say yes and just do it. Even if it's 15 minutes, if someone older than you, like, walks by your desk and says like, Hey, do you want to grab lunch? Like drop what you're doing and go. And at first I was just kind of like, I don't really understand why that, why they're advising me to do that, but like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I feel like now, you know, 10 years later or whatever, it really is such good advice. Not only because you're just automatically like building up a network of people older than you, younger than you in different careers in different jobs, which means like now you have incredible people who a one day might be able to hire you for a job or B, like you might be able to hire for a job one day. And so like forming forming that personal relationship with people at work is huge. I think the other thing that you get from that is learning about like other people's careers and what they're doing. That might be useful for you if you want to change careers later in life, but that could also be useful to you when, you know, you're doing a huge cross-functional project at your company and like you need a designer well, you know someone on the design team already, you know what they do, you know how they work. So you can either bring them on or you can tap them for advice. And so I think just like build out your network, build the biggest, strongest network that you can because it pays majorly later Mm -hmm. in your career. That's great advice, especially for, I think solo founders in particular, it can be a little bit isolating. So prioritizing building that community of people who may not even be doing anything relevant to what you're doing. But like you said, you never know how your pro- your paths may cross in the future. Totally. It's so true. Well, Siobhan, thank you so much for joining me on Office Chats. I've loved learning more about your journey to, to creating your own firm and the work that you're doing for founders, I think is so incredible and exciting to watch. Thank you for having me on. I think like You are one of the people who are highlighting founders, which is amazing and so important. So I'm excited to, of course, have been on the podcast, but also like, it's so great having people like you who are like highlighting those stories in positive ways because, you know, they got to get out there. Yeah. And it's fun. It's everyone has a story like you were saying earlier. So it's fun to kind of like learn who they are as people and just hear about the work they're doing because so many people are creating great companies right now, as you know, since you're representing them. But yeah, thank you for coming on and for the kind words. Um, I want to make sure we share where people can keep up with Babar on social media. Yes, you can follow at Babar underscore PR on both Twitter and Instagram. Thank you to Siobhan for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next time for a new episode of Office Chats.